Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you guys. Um, this is your first time here at Hill City. Uh, my name is John Wagler. I'm part of this team and just grateful uh, that you decided to spend a portion of your uh, Sunday here on uh, World Cup Final Sunday, right? To um, Growing up, I wasn't a, a so- well, I'm still not a soccer fan, but um, my, one of the football coaches um, always used to say it was a communist sport growing up, so we just didn't like it in my hometown. But um, how, many, how many soccer fans? Are you excited for the World Cup? Awesome. You guys, great, good for you. So, um, <clears throat> so we're in this series called uh, Just Ask, which is uh, a series on prayer. And uh, we've been in it for eight weeks now. And what we've been doing each and every week is taking a look at a different aspect of prayer. We have not covered everything about prayer. There's so much more that uh, we could talk about with regards to prayer. But what we've been trying to do is, is take some time and look at the different aspects of prayer, uh, increase our knowledge around prayer, uh, and then hopefully and ideally, uh, you begin to engage prayer differently and have different practices and different rhythms in your lives. And, and coming in January, we're going to release some prayer initiatives for us as a church. Uh, but what we wanted to do on this front end was like, I just want to get everyone exposed to the realities of prayer and what could it mean for us, uh, get some different spiritual rhythms happening within that context, and then uh, build from there. And so even last week, you know, Lacey did uh, a wonderful job talking about the Lord's Prayer and getting us to, to say it more, you know, and have that rhythm of just saying the Lord's Prayer more frequently during the day and having uh, that rhythm because that's what people used to do. And so uh, Ruby, our youngest, she's five, and so she's been uh, praying the Lord's Prayer, and we've been doing that for a little while now. And instead of uh, like uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, she'll say my name. And then she'll say, my kingdom come, my will be done. Um, The sad part is we don't know if she's joking or not because like she's... If you've met Ruby, that's her reality. So, um, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, unanswered prayer. And what does that mean for us? And, and really God's silence, right? Where, where we're talking about how does an all-powerful God seemingly go silent on us? And so we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Today, I want to talk about our own silence, this is probably one of the tougher parts about prayer and uh, this idea of meditation and contemplation. Meditation would be uh, how we look, see it in scripture is this idea of we're meditating on the word of God, but we're doing it in silence and we're doing it in stillness. And so there's a meditative, uh, a meditative element to what we're doing. Contemplation is, is, is a little different. It's, it's, it's seeing uh, the existence and seeing the reality and the wonder and the awe of God and like almost losing yourself into that. Uh, an example of that would be for me would be uh, so many years ago I was praying um, probably 10 years ago now 10 or 11 years ago I was praying I wanted to experience the wonder of God more and I felt like I had just gotten to a place in my life where I didn't appreciate like God's creation I didn't appreciate I just kind of become numb to everything we'd, you know we go out in nature and be like I'll be fine like it's whatever you know and I became numb to things and so I started praying I was like God would you like do something in my heart and so we were in beach week we were doing college ministry and uh, I was sitting out in, in front of the ocean and all of a sudden I got just lost in this kind of like 
contemplative moment with God where I was just overwhelmed by the reality of like the ocean and God's creation. And I got like emotional sitting there like in front of the, the water. And I was like, what is going on with me? Like at this moment. And, but what it was, was this, it was like this almost like mystical transcendent moment I was having with God and the beauty of his creation. And there's this contemplative element that uh, we want to move towards engaging, you know. And I know we can't do it all the time, but there is like, is that a piece of our lives? And even when we think about silence, is that a piece of who you are? But we're not built for silence, right? We don't live in a culture that's built for silence. Uh, You know, you think about how much noise is around us at all times. I mean, at all times. You know, we, uh, how many guys like sleep with a sound machine? Like we can't even like go to sleep. And sound, you know what I mean? Like, so we need noise with us all times, right? And, and, and so you think about the reality of even um, uh, everywhere you look, someone's got headphones on, like, or, you know, AirPods in or whatever. Uh, You've you got music in your car. You've, uh, the, right now, so emergency sirens are six times louder than they used to be just a few decades ago, just because of general just noise. Like, our culture is not built for it. Even, like, awkward silences. How many guys are, like, that bugs you, like, no, like an awkward silence, you're like, dear, I want to die, right? Like, that's like what you feel in those moments. But we're not even, like, built for those little things. And uh, it's like the seven-minute law, if you guys have ever heard this, like, the, in a group conversation, uh, research around this, depending on the size of the group, but typically right around every seven minutes, there's a lull in a group conversation. And so you, now that I say this, you're going to feel it. So, um, like, what happens is, is, like, a group conversation will be at, like, a certain level, then all of a sudden it just kind of just goes... And then it, comes, it can go back up, but there's just like a lull in the conversation. Sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, that was so awkward. And I'm like, it's just, it's just a second. Like people are just getting their stuff together for a second, you know? And so, but we can't handle even like awkward silence. Here's what we know about the reality of, of silence. We're not built for it. Even when we have opportunities to be in silence, we can't handle it. And I think, I think it's because we're in a culture that's built on the spectacle, crowds, worry and hurry. And actually, in those four areas, I think that's actually where the enemy works best. And when I say enemy, I can, it can refer to where we're tempted the most, uh, where we're distracted the most, uh, the kind of spiritual attacks can happen uh, the most are in the spectacle, in the crowds, in the worry, in the hurry. And that doesn't allow us to embrace the reality of being uh, meditating on the word of God and being a contemplative state. See, you think about this, you think about like the spectacle it's all about how can we make this bigger and brighter and more produced, right? You see this everywhere we go. Uh, whether it's like, hey, the new TV or the new show or the, the big arenas, you, even in churches. You know, in churches, a lot of times, things can get like overproduced, right? I know you need some production and that's fine and that's inherently evil by any, by any way. But, but there is like a piece where it's like, whoa, did we just make church about the light show? or the haze coming out, or the big production that we're going to do, you know, whatever. It's like, if it's, is there, are there any of those things inherently bad? No. But if it becomes about the spectacle, we get lost in it. And you think about uh, in crowds, you know, everything's so tribal right now. That it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to be enamored. It's so easy to fall in with a crowd or a tribe. And in that moment, you can't experience like the peace and kind of meditative state of God. In worry, how many guys have worried recently? Yeah, how many guys are just worriers? Like as a, yeah, yeah. It's hard when we're in a state of worrying a lot to experience peace. It's hard to even be in a moment of like silence and stillness, right? 
when we're constantly worrying. Or if you're in a hurry. A hurry is a, a whole other one, and I'll talk about this a little bit more in a second. But this idea of always being moving and always having to do something and always producing something, it doesn't lend itself towards silence and stillness and the beauty of what it's supposed to be. And I started thinking about uh, the reality of a typical Christian life. How often do we daily practice silence? And I'm, I don't mean like I'm looking at my phone. I'm silent, Wags. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, no, no, no. I mean like no distraction, silence, stillness, meditating on the word of God. And you're like, well, you know, meditation's like weird. And, and like, isn't that an Eastern religion thing? I'm like, no, no. I'm talking about meditating on the, the word of God. To allow it to soak into our very being. And I started thinking about maybe we don't even know how to be silent. We don't have the discipline. We don't have that habit. We don't, it's not our reality to actually spend time doing that. So maybe that's a reality. Or maybe, maybe, maybe we're frightened to spend time alone with God in silence. Here's why. When you spend time alone with God in silence, you're just so vulnerable. You're, you're, you're not, and I'm talking like not those moments of silence where you're asking God for something. I'm saying like, no, no, you are just in silence listening, in silence contemplating, in silence meditating on the word of God. And, and sometimes we're frightened by that because the reality is, is in those moments, that's when we're really exposed to the reality of who we are. You start seeing how distracted we are. You start seeing how we, it's really hard for us to be silent with God. Um, you know, you can go on a road trip with someone you know really well. Silence isn't awkward, is it? No, like you can be silent for like... Uh, there's been times Lacey uh, and I will like, go on a long road trip and we'll have like a chunk of time where it's just like silent in the car. Um, the reason why it's so easy for me to be silent with Lacey is because we're so well connected and we have a deep relationship and love of one another. I've often thought about for my own life that there, was, there were moments in my life where I couldn't handle being silent with God and I think that was an indicator that I wasn't as deep in relationship with God as I realized, or as I thought I was. That maybe the problem with this idea of, of silence and being frightened of being with God is maybe the love and connection with God isn't as deep as you thought it was because you can't even handle like a couple of minutes. I remember this uh, research study that was done of a grouping of people who, uh, they were addicted to their phones, but they, were, they said, could you be in silence for six minutes? And they all said yes. And so they said, but if you get bored or if you, you can't handle it, um, you know, you can't, um, you can electrocute yourself. And there was a button to just electrocute yourself. Um, within six minutes, every person in the group electrocuted themselves repeatedly. So they couldn't handle being silent. And so the, the reality of our lives is, are we built for this? You know, we are in, uh, culturally, there's an element of there's like a sickness and a brokenness that we're experiencing. Uh, even within Christian community, you, you see this, like emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, that there's some brokenness and there's a sickness that, that is there. And this week, as I was just praying for um, today and, and everything, this, the same question kept coming back into my head. And some of you guys might remember a story when Jesus said this question uh, in John chapter 5, I believe, um, 
But it's a question just in general that I think is so important because there's so much around emotional health, there's so much around people being in counseling, which are wonderful things, wonderful things. But in order to experience the reality of an inner healing and in, in, in the inner work that needs to be done, we need to uh, increase silence and stillness in a meditative state. If we don't, we'll never experience the healing uh, that we truly desire. And so the question that I wrote down this week is really simple, is this, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And that could mean a lot of different things. A lot of different things. But do you want to get well? Uh, do you want to have a, a relationship with, with Jesus that could be considered well, healthy? If so, then silence and stillness and meditating on the word of God has to be part of your daily rhythm to begin to engage God in a deeper level. One of the passages that Lamont read earlier, and we're going to actually focus on this, we're going to, at the end of the service, before we take communion together, we're going to actually spend three whole minutes in silence. Some of you guys are going to want to like ram your head against the wall, but like we're going to spend three whole minutes in silence. And I'm going to invite Matt up here um, to kind of help us uh, with that. But this passage is one of the more, most famous ones in scripture around this idea of stillness. And if you look at it here, it says, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Here's what's interesting. This part here. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. This requires a level of trust in who God is, right? We need an ultimate trust to believe like, okay, no matter what is happening, he'll be exalted about it. So we have to have trust. What we're seeing here is to have trust, we have to believe that this is true. We have to know it in our hearts and believe it, that this is true. Right? It's like if, if he is God, all right, then he will be exalted. But in order to get this, you need to be able to do that, to be still. And so you see this connection even here. It's like even to have a full trust in the reality of who God is, we have to have a rhythm and the ability to be still, to be silent, to be able to know who God really is. But to do that, you can't be buzzing around all the time. You've got to be able to be still. And here's the thing. One of the biggest reasons we have a problem with being still is we, we don't actually have a full trust in who God is. Like, I gotta go do this, I gotta do that, I gotta, right? Oh, but when we can hit pause for a second, like, I can fully trust in who God is, it changes everything. So I wanna highlight a few things about what stops us from being still and in silence. Uh, the first thing is production. Where are my achievers? You're my, my kind. Um, how about uh, anyone who's like a fix-it or a controlling person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't know if you're a controlling person, just ask the person that's closest to you and they'll tell you. See, this, we live in a reality of like we got to produce, we got to fix, we got to control. And this is like, bam, we do this all the time. And you stay in this. And this is, the, this is the voice of our culture, right? It's aggressive, it's producing, it's about our, you know, uh, it's about ourself, it's, it's all that. But it's this idea, of we've got to keep going, we've got to keep going, we've got to keep going. Uh, maybe you've said something like this, because I, I, I have and I'm probably believe this to be true too, but uh, I'm really good at multitasking. Is that true? Maybe. But it also can lead you down this, this bad path where you're just always having to do something. 
And so then you can't have a stillness and silence in your life. Um, those of you in the room who overwork, you just got to keep going. You got to work all the time. And, and what is that? Is, is, it, is it bad to work hard? Of course not. But when it begins to take over reality, it becomes an identity marker because you got to keep producing to feel like you're worth something. And it impacts our ability to actually be silent in something and to have a stillness in our lives, to just calm everything down. Uh, a second thing is uh, maybe you live in your head. You live in your head. And so you, you've got uh, head people, you've got heart people, you know, feelings, emotions, and you've got gut people, instinctual people. And so you might be someone who lives in their head uh, a lot. Anyone like that? That you just constantly have this running voice in your head? And, and sometimes that, that voice is judgmental of someone else or yourself. Uh, sometimes that voice is condescending. Sometimes that voice is always wondering if you've offended somebody. Um, sometimes um, there's so many things happening in your head that you can't even like settle down. So the thought of being silent is like, I can't do that because my brain will just keep thinking and thinking and thinking and going and going and going. That should be an indicator that something's not okay. Why? Because we've got to be able to have those moments. I get it. Like, it's okay if like, you live in your head that that's where everything starts. That's not, that's not like problematic. I'm just saying that like, if you can't be still and silent, then it does become problematic for us. So maybe a third one here. Um, I don't want to be silent because it feels selfish. Maybe part of your life is you've oriented your whole life to helping <laughs> others, which is a beautiful thing. But maybe that helping of others is actually transcended into this idea that it's your identity marker. And so to actually spend time by yourself, to spend time in stillness, it just, it feels uh, selfish in some way. A fourth way might be rebellion and pride. Rebellion and pride. Uh, you don't want to be uh, silent with God because people are telling you to be silent with God. Like, don't tell me what to do. Who, who are the rebels in here? Like someone tells you what to do and you're like, I won't. I won't do that, actually. It might be the best idea someone could ever give you, but because you didn't think about it, you're not going to do it, right? Or maybe it's not unique enough for you. It's like, oh, they're all doing it anyway. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. The whole stillness and silence thing, I got to figure out something else. Like, I'll be loud with God, right? Like, that's like, that would be your rebellious nature. Or, or maybe it feels this way. Maybe it's just monotonous. Maybe you're just thinking, like, I don't want another habit. I don't, I don't want another discipline in my life. I, this feels monotonous. I've sat in stillness and silence, and, and I don't think that I've gotten anything out of it this week or whatever. And so you, you have that as a part of your life. And so these things can prevent us from engaging this beautiful, beautiful practice that God has given us. I mean, a beautiful practice that God has allowed us this ability to be in silence and in solitude and to experience him on a deeper level. And isn't it funny how often we just choose to go our own way? Like we know that hurry and worry and, and the crowds and the spectacle and the production and all that stuff is, is detrimental to our spiritual life. And God's like, just be silent and be still with me and get this ingrained in who you are and you'll start to experience me more. And we're like, no, nah, I don't want that. I don't want that. So this idea of being able to meditate on the word of God is, we see it in several different places, but 
Here's what I want you to think about silence on the front end is this. If we can't learn to be silent, we'll never fully encounter the presence of God. There are things that will happen in times of stillness and silence in the regular rhythm of your life that you cannot experience in any other way. I'm not saying you won't experience a level of the presence of God in your life, but I'm talking about a fullness. A fullness of the presence of God that you can only experience in the silence, in the stillness, and in those moments where you're so quiet. Like, can you experience the presence of God in singing and in worship? Yes, absolutely. And I, listen, I prefer it louder and everything because I don't want to hear myself sing. I prefer to like sing with music so loud because I just think I sound like Lamont the whole time. (laughs) But like, in that loud, my, but my soul isn't necessarily still. Am I able to experience the presence of God? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm telling you, in the fullness, we have to be able to be silent. To be able to have a stillness. To be able to quiet things down at a level that we begin to experience God and his wonder. That the word of God Begins to, we start experiencing that in a, a, a different way. It starts speaking to our souls differently. We're going to do Psalm 46, a little exercise at the end with, with looking at how to, be, how to meditate on the word of God and how a simple sentence can, can do so many different things inside of us. In Joshua chapter one, it says this. It says, keep... Keep this book of the law, which just means the word of God, the writings that were there, always on your lips. Look what it says. Meditate on it when? Say it. And what? Huh. So it isn't just occasionally. Day and night. Meditate on it. So that. You guys know that's one of my favorite phrases in scripture. So that you may be able to be careful to do everything written in it. All that's saying is what? To obey. Then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. It just means you mature and, you, and you're, you're progressing towards something. So in order to obey, we need to meditate on the word of God. To meditate on the word of God isn't just simply mem- memorizing something. To meditate on the word of God is to sit with something and let it sit in you. To meditate on Psalm 1. I want you to see how, how the writers of scripture like link all these things in together. Psalm 1. Different writer, but he's, he's saying almost the same language. It's like, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way uh, that sinners take or sit in, which is to kind of abide in or meditate in or be in the company of mockers, because the mockers are the self-righteous, they're the prideful, the ones always talking. He says, but those who delight in the law of the Lord, who look, here it is again, who meditate on this day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So if you think about this idea of the tree, for those of you that grew up in 
church or knowing your Bible a little bit, uh, when do we see the tree as a significant like, part of a story? What, what, what part of the, of the story? Like right, right in the beginning of creation in the Genesis story. We see this, this idea of the tree, the, the tree of life that you get to participate in. And what the writer here is saying is, is that's when also wisdom was introduced, right? That's when you got to know the ways of God that we see in Scripture. It's like if you want to begin to experience the tree of life, is to understand the wisdom and the ways of God, then you've got to meditate on his word. Think about the story of, of Adam and Eve. They were, had the ability, God spoke to them, gave them the word, and had the ability for them to meditate on the word of God. But instead, what did they do? They chose someone else's word to believe in. And what happens? They, couldn't, they didn't obey. And they didn't experience the tree of life. They experienced the reality of sin. And so we started saying, we take a step back. It's like, man, if Adam and Eve would have just paused for a second and been like, what was God's word for my life? Instead, they started listening to the mocker. They started listening to this other word. Why? Because they didn't have the stillness and the presence to be like, I want to hear the word of God. It changes everything. It creates uh, this system of roots that would get established that make us so stable. I don't know anyone who would love to be able to say, you know what? I'm actually a really unstable person and I love it. So here we're saying what, what the word of God is saying, if you want to be stable, if you want to be rooted, if you want to be strong, then you meditate on the word of God. And slowly and methodically you become planted like a tree. And it takes time. It takes a lot of time. If you think about even when a tree grows up, uh, I remember a while back, uh, I was watching this video about all the redwoods in California and their root systems and how they have a very, you know, these huge trees that have a very shallow root system. It only goes down about six to 12 feet deep. So these huge trees, it's like a super shallow root system. But the root system, it takes so much time. It's like methodical the way it works. But all the trees are interlinked together in the forest through their root system. But you would never know that, and it takes so much time for that thing to slowly grow and slowly come together. It's the same thing for our own faith. It's like, man, when we meditate on the word of God day and night and spend time in silence and stillness, that little by little, methodically, we become well. Methodically, we get healthier. Methodically and slow. And I know we don't want it to be slow. I get it. But it's the way it works. I'm going to give you guys three passages that I use. Um, I just want to give you an example from my own life. These are three um, verses that I meditate on a lot. And you'll see like a common word theme uh, that's in there. Uh, but Psalm 24.4, right before this, it says, who, who can ascend the holy mountain? Who can stand in the holy place? And, and, and I, I frequently pause on this phrase of like, the one who has clean hands in a pure heart, who doesn't trust in an idol or swear by a false God, which means I'm not putting my hope or my identity in something else. And let them just like sit with it. Psalm 51, uh, 10, create in me a pure heart. Some of you guys have heard this. Create in me a pure heart. Renew uh, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. That's probably the one I actually say the most when I'm just being still and silent with God. God, create in me a new, a, a clean and a pure heart. 
And sometimes I just pause and I, and I just think like pure heart. And I sit with that phrase. And you just sit with that phrase and all of a sudden you start realizing the areas in your life that you don't have a pure heart. And you just sit with it. Or in Matthew 5, uh, 8, you know, it talks about blessed are the pure in heart. And, I, and this one has just really gotten me in the past year. For they will see God. I started thinking about, I was like, I just want to, I want to see God everywhere. I want to see God in people. I want to see God in my own life. I want to see God in situations that I never would have seen God before. I want to see God in creation. I want to see, but guess what? I can't see God unless I'm what? Pure in heart. And you just sit with that. That takes, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. That took me what? Three and a half seconds? I don't even know. Three seconds, three. But you sit with three seconds of reading and you sit with that for a few minutes. And God will wreck your heart and expose things in you just through simple stillness that you would never have otherwise discovered because you're just letting the word of God meditate. You meditate on the word of God and let it just soak into your very being. It starts to change everything about us. I'm going to invite uh, Matt to come up and... Uh, so Matt is our uh, care pastor and um, resident monk. And um, <laughs> I was actually going to put the picture that I have of you in, no. that I, uh, maybe I'll do it next service. Um, but Matt and I have had a lot of conversations about stillness and um, silence and, and everything. And, and uh, everyone's got their own way of doing this. Um, Lacey's got her way, I've got my way. And, um, but I wanted to get, bring Matt up here because um, he's done a lot of work with this, but also in a little different way than I would have. And, um, and, and so I wanted him to just share, uh, just for a minute here, uh, just about some practices that he's gotten into and then what has uh, transpired out of those practices. And then we're gonna do three whole minutes of silence, yes. So Matt, why don't you share a little bit? Yeah, thanks, John. Um, so this has been a long journey for me. I've shared it a little bit when I've talked before and like on the podcasts and stuff, but um, I always start with, I have a doctor's note for why I don't need to do this. I have an ADHD diagnosis, so it's like really easy for me to say, nope, not for me. Um, but I did. I started with three minutes years ago at this point with, with the prayer that we're going to do today. And um, it, yeah, has completely changed. I mean... What's it like to be on the other end of me? Have I changed? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has caused like a really, uh, in the last few years and through the pandemic, uh, just life-changing shift in perspective for me um, where my prayer life kind of stopped being about what I was doing in Christ and like who, to who I was in Christ, like more about who I am than what I do or say or even like sometimes believe because you know um i don't believe help my unbelief right mm -hmm. um and just being able to sit and just like exist i think has been an, uh, in in silence has been a huge life-changing thing for me 
Yeah. And I also say this too, like sometimes when we, we talk about silence and stillness, people think you're going to lose your personality and you're like, oh, I'm going to be the one who just kind of floats everywhere. You know, and like all of a sudden I'm so, like Matt still sings and he's a lead singer of a punk band and screams his head off. All right, so. Um, a lot of the songs are about meditation. It's, <laughs> a, it's a, I yell about being silent. Yeah, that's weird. true. So I also just want to like have perspective of what this is trying to instill uh, inside of us. And so um, I'm going to actually go back up to the passage um, with Psalm 46 because I want you guys to be able to see it. Let me erase this part so you're not distracted by it. But I want to have it up there and then Matt's just going to lead us in time of silence. Yeah. So um, the first thing really quick is... um, I want us to change our posture. You know, one thing that's been super helpful for me is to notice um, where I am, what I'm doing, how I'm sitting. Um, It's not about like rules or whatever, like we're not doing yoga per se, but it is important to sort of in this moment, like reconnect with your incarnational self. God as Jesus had a body and you have a body too. So um, if you, if you can, if you're able to place your feet on the floor um, and Close your eyes, and we're going to take a couple of deep breaths, um, because in Genesis it says that God breathed, uh, the Hebrew word is ruach, he pushed his wind into the nostrils of the clay and made it us. And so uh, breathe in through your nose to the bottom of your belly, like you want to feel your diaphragm, and then blow out through your mouth like you're cooling off hot soup. Do that one more time and keep your eyes closed if you can. Now, I'm going to read this psalm a couple of times and I want you to continue to breathe and just to notice as we read words that some people say they kind of shimmer or they sort of like float to the top. Um, If you can imagine yourself as like a jar of river water that's all shaken up and you're sitting still and the silt is, is settling to the bottom, what words um, from our prayer sort of hang in the clear water for you? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be.
So God, may we experience your stillness, your sweet sense of your spirit, in just a profound way as we begin to learn what it means to be still in front of you, being willing to set the worry and the hurry aside, what we can produce or whatever may stop us from engaging you like this, but that this rhythm of silence and stillness allows us to encounter the reality of your presence in just a radically different way moving forward. In your name, amen. Thank you, Matt. We're gonna, um, if you guys have a communion elements, I'm gonna ask you to take those out and band, you guys can come back up here. Um, if you need communion, uh, just raise your hand and we'll bring some to you. Uh, if you don't want to take communion, you don't have to. It's not a requirement. But in this kind of area that we're in of just stillness in our souls, you know, it's interesting when we take communion, uh, if you don't know what it is, this bread and this juice that we're going to take together the bread represents the body of Christ being broken for us and blood, the, the juice represents his blood being shed up on the cross that brought on this new covenant, this new hope that we have in, in Jesus. And um, I was reading 1 Corinthians 11 this morning and it says this, it says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. And I was thinking how often you know, we might take communion or take this moment out of habit or we might take it and don't think about it. But what Paul is writing there, he's like, I want you to actually like meditate on the reality of what you're doing and not just flippantly taking communion, but to meditate on the reality of, well, I'm, I'm identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus that in remembrance of him, like that's what I'm doing when I'm eating this, like I'm and drinking this. I'm, I'm, I'm saying... Not only do I remember his death and resurrection, but this is like who I am and this is what I believe and this is how I live. And so it's why if you've you know, been here for any length of time, we say we never want this to be a habit. We, we always want this to be a moment because it's sacred with God. And so um, I'm just gonna have us pause again here in just for a few seconds and I want you to just sit with the reality of what you're about to do, and then I'll lead us um, in communion. ask you guys to take out the elements if you need to get the bread out whatever you need to do. So God, as we um, hold the juice and the bread in our hands, we uh,
we pause and reflect on the reality of your body being broken for us that allows us to know and trust that you'll never leave us in the midst of suffering and pain. You haven't lost anything and that you're with us every step of the way. So go ahead and eat the bread. God, this juice that um, represents your blood being poured out on that cross, the forgiveness of sin for the establishment of a new hope and a new way to live, a new community to be a part of. God, may we never forget the reality of all of that and what that means for us. So go ahead and drink the juice. God, as we um, prepare to sing this last song, my hope is, is that in these moments of silence that we've had this morning and taking some time here, my hope is that we want to be well and healthy with you. And God, when we begin to get in that place, we begin to see the reality Man, everything you do, it's just bigger than I ever thought it could be. And God, that we begin to experience you in that way. So you stand and sing this last song here with us. <clears throat>